You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you today. It is December the 5th. For those of you who are still in Thanksgiving land, sorry, Christmas is here. It's what we're doing now. We are 20 days out from Christmas, believe it or not. And uh, it's, it's just good to be in this space, in this time of year. There's a lot of joy that we've got going on. Uh, we are in week two of our series entitled Advent Conspiracy. And in this series, we're learning, learning to reshape some ideas, some thoughts, perspectives that we might have about the Christmas season. And last week, Pastor Brandon walked us through what it means to worship fully, to have our hearts focused on the why of the Christmas season. And the why of the Christmas season is something that we miss all too often, isn't it? With the culture-induced pace and price of the season, we end up just missing it. If I could share with you a story, there was a Christmas in my family where I completely missed the why. I was in high school and I had been saving up all year long or all season long for this very special gift. And it was a gift that I knew was just going to hit the spot for the certain individual in my family. And so I'd saved up for it. I went to the store and I waited in line through like what felt like forever lines uh, to get this gift. And when I got it, I didn't just wrap it up in one box. I wrapped it up in three because Christmas is better with more boxes. At least that's what I thought at that time. And so I put it in three boxes and then I put it under the tree. And if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I have a small rhyme that I'd like to share with you about how this Christmas morning went. It's Christmas. You rhyme stuff. That's what we do, right? So I went out, bought this incredible gift, wrapped it up, and in three different packages to make the present opening more fun, I put it under the tree, and I waited till Christmas morning. On that glorious Christmas morning, I sprang from my bed, And as I ran to the tree, I picked up three packages that I had wrapped just for me. (laughs) You heard me right. I had saved with contrition to get myself the Lord of the Rings trilogy. (laughs) Extended editions. I decided to spend more on myself that Christmas than others. I decided to make sure that I had the best when instead I should have been focused on how to spend less. So while the rhyme is silly and it's all in fun, hopefully for you this morning, the story is very true. Uh, In high school, I waited in line. I got the Lord of the Rings extended edition. Like they had these really cool little packages on DVD. Anybody else? You got those that year? Some of you. Just me. Great. I'm the only nerd in the room. (laughs) Me and Matt Brumfield, Lord of the Rings nerds. It's awesome. Uh, So no, but I'd made it on this idea about spending and gifts and receiving rather than what it was really about. And the why of the Christmas season, it comes to us in the form of divinity becoming humanity. 
God becoming flesh to come dwell with us. We just sang about it, Emmanuel, God with us. Our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And the King of Heaven, Jesus Christ, came to this earth with a singular purpose, to seek and to save the lost. He lived a sinless life. He died a perfect sacrifice in our place, and he rose from the grave so that we might be saved. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because a baby was born with a singular purpose, to come and lay his life down so that sinners might be saved. And so last week we learned that when we see Jesus rightly, when we see this baby in a manger, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, when we see him rightly, we can worship him fully. When God opens the eyes of the blind to see what he has done on our behalf, we're changed. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit begins to convict us of sin, and we are enabled by the saving and powerful name of Jesus to see him rightly and to respond to him. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 12.1, about what it means to worship. And it's interesting, he doesn't talk about a song, he doesn't talk about a gathering like this, he talks about our lives. In Romans 12:1, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is more than a song. Worship is a life fully surrendered to glorifying God and making him known. And that's the why of the Christmas season. And the rest of the messages in this series, we started with worship fully, but today we're talking about spend less, and the next week we're going to look at give more, and the final week is love all. And they all hinge on the singular fact that the church, Followers of Jesus are to be completely surrendered to God in every area of life. Every area of life. It hinges on this reality that a life lived in celebration of the birth of Jesus willingly and freely holds nothing back from him. Let me say that again. A life lived in celebration of the birth of Jesus willingly and freely holds nothing back from him. But holding nothing back from him requires some shifts in our thinking this morning. And so today we're going to unwrap this gift, if you will, uh, of what it might look like for us to spend less this Christmas season. Now, I realize I say spend less this Christmas season, and if you're like me, you go, wait, what? What are we talking about today? Do you not know what season it is? Do you not know? that it is December the 5th, and there are more Amazon boxes on my doorstep than I know what to do with. I saw a post yesterday where someone said, at this point, if UPS drops off a llama, I'm just going with it, right? Like, that's kind of the spot that we're in. And you might have some images flashing in your mind when I say, well, hey, we're going to spend less this season. I'm not talking about Uncle Scrooge. I'm not saying we're going to penny pinch and hoard everything to ourselves. That's not what we're talking about. I'm not saying that we shouldn't give gifts or bless others out of what God has blessed you with. Those are good and sometimes godly things. But what we need to acknowledge as Americans is that we have a little bit of a spending problem. I did some work. So in 2020, 
the average American household spent $1,000 per individual on Christmas last year. Now, some of you, you're smart, and you think like my wife, because as I was walking through this, she goes, well, yeah, we all got the stimulus checks last year, right? Like, that's what happened? Everybody, like, $1,000 makes sense? Sure. Okay, whatever. All right, so I went back another year, just dropped 50 bucks off it. It was $950 on average per individual. So stimmy or no stimmy, we're spending a lot of money. And so what that means is that in Santa's workshop, they designate roughly $500 per child so that elves can build their toys and gadgets. Wink, wink, nod, nod. No matter how you slice it, that's a lot of money. But here's the thing. Whether you spent $1,000 per individual, so roughly $4,000 per household, or you spent $100 or $10, the amount of money is not really the issue. What matters most is actually why and how we spend our money. Because we need to remember that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to live lives that, once again, willingly and freely hold nothing back from him. Every area of our, of our lives is surrendered to him. And so we are called to live differently than the average American Christian consumer. Right? And when the church begins to look more like the world than the church, we should start raising some yellow and red flags pushing the pause button and going, are we doing this right? Or is there something better? The Apostle Paul continues after giving us this idea of how to live, of, he calls us to living lives of worship, but he doesn't just say, hey, live a life of worship. He gives us a little bit of a how in Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Many of you have heard that verse before. Some translations read, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And so a church, if the pattern of the world is to spend and spend and spend, and overspend and go into debt and pay off credit card bills all year long, we should probably be doing it differently. Spend less is more than just a no to overspending. It's a new way of celebrating Christmas. It's a call to live a life worshiping the one who gave everything for us. Spend less is also, again, it's, it's not about the specific dollar amount. It's about the heart behind it. And so this morning, as we continue to look at this, we have to remember a few things. First, nothing we have is actually ours. Nothing we have is actually ours. Psalm 24, verse 1, is this beautiful poem that draws us to this truth that God is a creator and a giver of all things. It reads this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Some translations say, and everything in it. The world and those who dwell therein, for he is founded upon it the seas and established upon it the rivers. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote a book that's often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. We went through it as a church a few months back. He has this to say about the same idea in James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. 
He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I love how James starts that passage, don't you? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. It's almost as if God knew that at some point we would begin to believe lies, that the gifts that we receive or the stuff that we have, the blessings we've been given, that they are more important or valuable or life-giving than the one who gives us these good things. We would be deceived. Another quick just sidestep here in verse 18, just to tie these things together. I hope you caught it. Just like Paul calls us to a lifestyle worship in Romans 12.1, and he says that we are living sacrifices. James echoes that sentiment for us in verse 18. He reminds us that we are a kind of first fruits. First fruits were the fruits of the harvest that were offered to God in worship and in sacrifice. These are the things that were fully surrendered to God, given to him. Like You don't get these things back. You don't hand them to God and then a few minutes later go, okay, you're done with that, so I'm going to put that back in my pocket. That's not how it works. First fruits, again, they were offered to God in worship. They're the very best. And so what we can gather as living sacrifices that are first fruits, our lives offered to God in worship, every aspect fully surrendered, is one of the greatest gifts that we could give to our creator to say, God, thank you for all that you have done for me. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, the one to whom the fullness of the earth belongs. He is the one who gives us everything we have. He owns it all. And so let's put this into some context, right? So if someone gives you something to borrow, uh, so recently I borrowed a video game from my brother-in-law, right? I went over and played Super Mario Odyssey on Switch. If anybody's still just me, thank you. None of you? Come on, students, help me out here. All right? Lord of the Rings and Mario Odyssey, I'm out. Okay, so nerd alert here. But I borrowed that from my brother-in-law. Is that game mine? No. If I borrowed it, he expects me to give it back at some point, right? It doesn't become mine. It's still his. And so if something happens to the game, if I break it, if something goes wrong with it, I am responsible for it. I am a steward of it. But just because I am borrowing it, because he has given it to me to use, doesn't make it mine. And so once again, if God is the owner of all things, that means that nothing that we have is ours. We are stewards, borrowers. The things that we have are his. What you do with what God has given you, the blessings that he has provided you specifically, is an issue of stewardship and ultimately an issue of worship. The problem becomes when we begin to make idols out of the gifts that God has given us. Again, when we believe the things that we borrow are better than the one that we have borrowed from. The author of Hebrews in chapter 13, he cautions us against this kind of idolatry in verse 5. He says, keep your life free 
from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, isn't it interesting here? So we, we know this verse, especially if you've been in church for a while. You've probably heard this read at some point. Live a life free from the love of money. But do you see what he connects it to? It's not just so that we don't love money. He ties it back to himself. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's almost as if when we start focusing on the things that we have, we forget the one who truly matters. It's like you don't need all of this stuff because I never leave you. You don't need to find satisfaction in your things or hope in your things because they will all fail you. I never will. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, I think if we're honest, the reason that we don't like talking about money, about spending less, if we're truly honest with ourselves, I think it's because we really believe that money is more powerful than God is. We think money is more fulfilling than he is. We think that money can solve all of our problems, can make everything go just the way we want it to. It's no wonder that the author of Hebrews puts these things together. Dependence on God or dependence on money. Because when we have a lot, we don't go to the one that we need, do we? You know, a few months ago, we even started hearing some conversation around money. We started hearing some things about supply chain shortages and all that kind of stuff. And I, I can't count how many conversations I've, I've had or things on the phone where it's like, hey, that's not going to ship to you this amount of time because of supply chain and ships somewhere in the ocean, whatever. I don't really care where the ships are. But the first thing that we started talking about and the first commentary I started hearing like back in August was, hey, make sure you get your Christmas gifts now or else you might not get them later. When our hope is in an Amazon box on our doorstep, rather than a baby born to save, we are not living lives of worship to God. When our happiness this season rests in boxes wrapped in bows, we are missing it. Our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Be content with what you have, the author in Hebrews continues. Man, does that one sting anybody else but me? Be content with what you have. If I can be honest, this one is hard for me. Uh, so I grew up in a family where my next oldest sibling is 19 years older than I am. Uh, and so I've got a brother and sister. They are 19 and 20 years older than I am. We never lived in the same house together. So if you're tracking with me, I am both the baby of the family, and I also grew up like an only child. So I've got all kinds of nonsense that I'm having to work through constantly. Like, I never deal with selfishness and pride. That's never a thing. Um, and so we've got, anyway, this whole deal uh, where I have to do with all this stuff. But I grew up just honestly, like, my parents spoiled me. Like, looking back on it, Kristen and I kind of laughed. She's going like, what? You had this stuff? What was wrong? And I'm going, I don't know. Like, 
it's, I didn't have control over it. I just enjoyed it. Uh, but no, the, uh, even a few, years, uh, a few years ago, there was this thing that started coming out. It was a book, I think, written by Gary Chapman about the five love languages, right? And so you take this test, and there's like these five things that fill your love tank or whatever. And mine, one of my top things shows up as gifts. I'm not actually sure if that's a love language or if it's really just identifying the fact that I have so much sinful pride and desire for stuff that it just is what it is. Like it's identifying the sin thing in me rather than the actual way that I feel loved, whatever. If you're a love languages person, best of luck to you. Um, but anyway, the point is this. I have to fight this tendency to love stuff. Anybody with me? Finally, some hands are raised in the room. You're honest, thank you. Not Lord of the Rings, not Mario Odyssey, but we'll all sin together, great. Uh, so, but no, I have to fight this tendency. And I'm also a little bit of an extremist personality, and so I do these swings, right, where I'll look around and I realize, like, man, I have too much stuff. I love this stuff too much. I'm going to get rid of everything. And so I watch, like, a minimalist documentary and decide I'm going to, like, ditch everything and have one pair of jeans and a pair in like, a T-shirt, and that's it. And I'm like, I don't need any stuff. I start walking through the girls' rooms, and I'm like, they don't need that. They don't need that. I'm going to donate that. I'm going to get rid of all the stuff. So I go a little bit crazy, and so Kristen has to kind of, like, back me down. Um, but to make matters worse, we had some friends of ours uh, recently who decided that they were going to sell their home. Uh, they both work online, and they were going to live full-time in an RV. Now, this is not like Cousin Eddie ruins vacation RV. This is something a little bit different altogether. Uh, but they sell their house. They both work online. They've got kids around the same age as, as we do. And they've done this thing. Like, they literally sold everything they have, fit it all in an RV, and this is what they do full time. It's kind of crazy. Can I be honest with you? I spent way too much time in my head trying to figure out, how do I be a pastor full time, live in an RV, sell all this stuff? Like, I started getting a little bit nuts in my brain, just full disclosure, right? And so they were getting ready to kind of leave on their maiden voyage, if you will, because uh, I think that's what you call living in an RV full time. You have to call it something. And so we were uh, going to visit them. They're doing their last garage sale. And on the way, I'm just thinking about all the stuff I'm going to get rid of, right? Going, this is great. Like, I'm going to get rid of all the stuff. The girls don't need toys. They don't need any toys. No, they don't need. They don't need any toys. Like, and so I just start doing this thing in my head. And so we go to wish them well. And before I know it, I am walking out of this garage holding clothes, books, board games. Not for Kristen and the girls. It's all for me. It's all for me. Every single one of those things. I walked in saying, I need to get rid of everything. And I walked out going, I want it all. Um, and I didn't know what to do. Right? And just full confession, I've not read a single one of those books. I just donated that sweatshirt because I really didn't need it. And... I think we played the board game maybe one time, and it wasn't that fun. We do this thing where we put all of our hope in stuff. Spend less. Be content with what you have. It's hard, isn't it? You know, what if we could more authentically celebrate Jesus' birth by truly being content with what we have? What if the scripture here is calling us to this thought that we need to not place our hope in presence under the tree, but our true hope is found in the presence of God living in and through us? You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus helps us to combat some of this. There's this whole dialogue in Matthew chapter 6 
where Matthew talks about how we can look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And if God cares for these things, how much more does he care for those who love him? Maybe for us in this season, this passage should sound a little bit like this. Don't worry about all the food for the family gathering. The Christmas ham, the eggnog. Don't worry about buying matching Christmas sweaters for everyone or maxing out credit cards for gifts that will be forgotten or broken by New Year's Day. Do you not know that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need? He'll provide for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, when we look first to the why of the season instead of the, what, the wants and the worries of the season, we'll realize that we don't have to really be anxious or tied up in these things. We can trust that God is good, that he is the perfect gift giver. He knows exactly what we need. And I understand it's one thing to kind of talk about this idea of spending less to rest in God as our provider. And it's something altogether different to actually do it this year, right? Like we can walk out of this room going, yeah, I should spend a little less. It's something different to not click buy on the shopping cart, right? And so I wanna give us some tips on how to spend less. Uh, I got some of these from Dave Ramsey. Some of you have heard Dave Ramsey before. He leads something called Financial Peace University. Uh, that's a course that we offer here at the North Canton Chapel. I believe the next one is happening in February, um, but it helps us to view our finances from a biblical perspective um, and how to understand this idea of stewardship and worship and to put these things together and to view them rightly. So here are some things that hopefully will help you this season, okay? Uh, so first, make a Christmas budget and stick to it. Make a Christmas budget and stick to it. Plan what you're going to spend this season. Pray about it. Make the wise budget for your family. Because I know how budgets work when we talk about Christmas, right? Like there's the, the one that I wish I had and the one that I actually have, right? Include Christmas decor, include the stuff for parties, all the stuff, because it adds up. Number two, spend within your means. Don't rack up credit card bills. Literally, you're paying for stuff until next Christmas. That may mean that you've spent less this year than you have ever spent before. But be honest with yourself. Remember that you are a steward of what God has given you. Number three, pray for those on your Christmas list. So before you just purchase something for somebody, pray for them. Ask God to show you, hey, is there something that I could do for this person? Something that I could give them that would help them to grow closer to you? Be intentional and prayerful with your purchases. Number four, spend thoughtfully. Okay, so consider products, people, or causes that you're spending supports. Are there things that will actually help you and those you love seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or is it just more stuff that's going to end up in a garage sale by the end of summer? Take inventory. This is kind of fun, okay? Uh, so before you buy anything for anyone this Christmas, 
Walk around your house and just take inventory of what you already have. Like literally make a list and start writing stuff down. And as you're making that list, begin to thank God for the blessings that you already have. Because I believe that when we do things like this, it helps us to have hearts that realize that God has really given us so much. So, so much. And we'll realize we don't really need much, if anything else. Small aside, we'll never be thankful for that which we feel entitled to. Think about the gifts that you've been given. The ones that mean the most are probably the ones you didn't expect were coming. It was from that person that said, hey, I was just, I was thinking about you. Like, this wasn't, it's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. It's not anything like that. Like, I was just thinking about you, and I thought that this would mean something to you. Number six is donate. So after you've made that glorious list of all the things that you have, it could be that you have some items on that list that you haven't seen in over a year, which probably means you don't need it. Donate it. Number seven, simplify your Christmas list. Can I just say I'm preaching to the choir on this one? I love, like, I've got this Amazon wish list that I probably monitor all too much throughout the year, okay? And so I'm a little bit, just like full disclosure, I was convicted on this whenever I was walking through this message and I had to go remove stuff from my list because I'm going like, man, I don't need that. I don't need that either. Like I just started checking the boxes and going down. But simplify your list. When I was a kid, and just full disclosure, I hated this when I was a kid, but my parents were trying to get me to understand that Christmas was not about all the stuff under the tree. And so they started doing this thing for a little bit where they said, Micah, you're allowed to ask for two things for Christmas. You can ask for one thing that you want and one thing that you need. You are not guaranteed that you will get either of those things for Christmas. Because you are not entitled to get anything for Christmas. Yikes. So when you're asked for Super Mario Brothers 3, Nintendo Entertainment System, anybody? No, come on. <laughs> Striking out. All right, so Super Mario Brothers 3 and a new pair of jeans, because that was the thing that I needed. My jeans had holes in them, so I asked for a new pair of jeans. And I'm pretty sure I got Super Mario, and I didn't get the jeans. I don't know. <laughs> I think my dad just wanted Super Mario. Um, and then my parents would normally give me, like, one surprise, and that was it. And so, again, take it, use it, adopt it, whatever you want. Uh, I don't do it anymore, but it was something as a kid that it, it stuck, obviously. Maybe not too well, but, you know, simplify your Christmas list. Uh, number eight, and this is, this is a hard one, returns are easy. So I realize... It's December the 5th. We are 20 days out from Christmas. Many of you finished your Christmas shopping a month ago, at least some of you, okay? It could be that the most set apart, godly thing you do this Christmas is putting something back in the box and shipping it back to Amazon. I know, scary. It's okay, returns are easy. Uh, and then number five, big red box, week two. Okay, so some of you, you picked up those big red boxes. Uh, you can open week two today, some of you, if you haven't already. Uh, but it's gonna, you're going to find uh, something in there, a family activity, that's going to encourage us to spend less. You're going to find a jar in there that's going to encourage you to collect even just some spare change this week. And so maybe that means that if you go to Starbucks every morning or wherever your coffee place is of choice and you're spending 3 or $4 on a cup of coffee every day, that you take that and you don't do that this week. And instead, you put that money in the jar. 
And it's going to give you an opportunity to save in a way that maybe you haven't before so that we can learn how to spend less so that next week we can see how we can give more. It's almost like there is a plan. Again, the heart of spending less is not just saying no to overspending. It's not just trying to be a Scrooge and hide everything and penny pinch things away. It's a new way to celebrate the birth of our Savior. It's a way to help us try to get our minds off of all the stuff so that we can put our minds where they should really belong, on Jesus. Because if we're honest, we put so much hope and so much focus on what's under the tree on Christmas morning that we forget that we have the living God living within us. The greatest gift that we could ever receive or ever know within us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.